welcome to the Urban Broadcast Collective. We are super excited about this project and we just want to take a few minutes of your time to tell you about it. The Urban Broadcast Collective is a curated network of podcast and radio shows about everything urban. And our goal is simple, to bring together all the amazing urban-focused podcasts on one site. We'll tell you a little bit more about who's involved and how you can get involved in the Urban Broadcast Collective a little bit later on. But first, let's hear from some of our podcasters and radio makers. First up, we have Natalie Osborne from Griffith University and her radio show called Radio Reversal. Uh, but basically the idea is that um, we have entered, so the Anthropocene refers to a new geological era, so um, following on from, from the Holocene, so, you know, um, which is considered to be the, the geographic era that humans kind of emerged and, and have been in. Yeah. Um, and basically it's the idea that we have entered a new geological time era by virtue of the extent to which humans have impacted on like the like the fabric and the matter of the planet. So so the scale of planetary impact mm. um, and reconfigurations of planetary systems by humans have um, have generated a new a new era mm. um, at, at a very, very massive scale. Um, which, which is interesting to think about. But I think what's more interesting to think about in the context of the conversations we've been having, in the context of the more than human term, is who is the, who is the mm. anthro, who is the anthropos mm. in Anthropocene. Um, so, because we know that the reconfiguration of the earth is not something that's been evenly distributed. We mm. are not all equally responsible for the damage that has been done. That's, of course, all wrapped up in, in colonialism and capitalism and racism and all those, all those kinds of relationships that we, that we talk about on Radio Reversal. Next up, we have Tony Matthews from Griffith University and Jason Byrne from the University of Tasmania, and their show called The Urban Squeeze. Well, what happens if you're in a driverless vehicle, you're working on your laptop, you're happily there, an accident is detected by the vehicle and the choice is to either run over the two old ladies at the side of the road or take out five school children. You know, the car will make that decision for you, that ethical decision. Ooh. And in rational terms, the car is going to decide that the easiest thing to do is kill you by driving itself and you into a wall, thereby sparing more people than it takes out of existence. I so, haven't pondered this before. Uh, this is a major, uh, a major ethical question in designing the software that autonomous vehicles run on because they're based on probability. I mean, they make decisions based on risk probability and things like that. So if a car, as Jason says, not an autonomous car suddenly detects a potential where it's, it's seconds away from ploughing into five school children that have run out onto a road, it'll do a very quick calculation. What's the best case outcome in a bad situation? Best case outcome is steer the car and the occupant into a wall thereby saving the children. I think you might have set back the progress of this uh, by about 35 years anyone, or anyone so that wants an automatic, Anyone that wants to, to have an autonomous car or be driven in one needs to understand that <laughs> the, the, car, the car understands their life to be less valuable than they themselves <laughs> understand it to be. And, you know, we kind of, we, we react against this and think, oh, my God. Moving on now to Liz Taylor from RMIT and David Nichols from Melbourne University and their popular show, This Must Be The Place. Hi and welcome to uh, the latest 
This Must Be The Place, a podcast about things like Elizabeth, I can't remember, space, place, I being a disgrace. I think society and, and stuff, but essentially place. Place, yes. Someone said on a review that it was about Melbourne. Melbourne. Oh, really? As if. Thank you for that review. (laughs) Uh, It might be a bit about Melbourne. My name is David Nichols. I'm a uh, a senior lecturer in urban planning at the University of Melbourne. And I'm Elizabeth Taylor. I'm a research fellow or postdoctoral research fellow at RMIT University. It's a real university. And nobody ever said it wasn't. There was that um, episode of the catering, or the predecessor to the catering show, where... I think there was that. There was aspersions cast on it. Where she said, I'm working at RMIT now, and the other person's like, oh, like TAFE. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we talking about today? The main content. The main content today is an interview that I did uh, on September the 19th of last year, uh, when I was um, a visiting scholar at the University of Tampere in Finland, and uh, I was talking to um, uh, Dr. Levin Emil about his book, Helsinki in Early 20th Century Literature, Urban Experiences in Finnish Prose Fiction, 1890 to 1940, which kind of sounds dry and arcane and archaic and all of those things. Um, it's it's a fascinating book, and it, it is actually um, I'll say I'll say this. Uh, it's completely. Paul McGinn from the University of Western Australia brings us something different with the Suburbanista podcast. LA kind of really does typify the the car dependent city. Could you kind of, you know, in the time that you've been here and the time you've been researching, I mean, how has that evolved in, in kind of recent history? Something fascinating is happening in Los Angeles. The voters have approved at the ballot box four different sales tax measures, which are funding primarily rail transit investments. The largest of those was a measure that was passed just this uh, in fall of 2016 that will allocate $120 billion predominantly to rail transit over the course of the next 30 years. And I say that because people think of Los Angeles as being the prototypical automobile city. And and it was. It was really, in the 1920s, one of the earliest adopters of an auto-oriented, sprawling urban form. But Los Angeles is now 25 years into an aggressive rail transit transformation of the city, the largest rail transit construction program, certainly in the United States is in this city. So this is a city that is actively working to transition from auto only to a multimodal city. I tell people Los Angeles led the world into the automobile era and we are going to lead the world out of it. And finally, we come to City Road from the University of Sydney and me, Dallas Rogers. And I guess this is where the tech boom comes back in and you've talked about the automated landlord. Could you just tell me what the automated landlord is? I guess I would say the automated landlord is a way of kind of managing tenants and properties with much less face-to-face interaction, right? And so a lot of the interactions that you know we might have had with our landlords either face-to-face or over the phone are now being mediated through smartphones, platforms, apps, and so forth. What does it change? I think one of the big things is that when you're able to have face-to-face interactions or over-the-phone interactions with your landlord, you know there's a person there. Even though that relationship can still be exploitative in various ways, ultimately you know that there's a person there. And if you know there's a person there, you can try to 
appeal to them in various ways as a person, right? So if you, you know... You can't that, argue with an algorithm. Yes, you can't. Yes. As Jathan Sadowski <laughs> and Frank Pasquale would say, you can't argue with an algorithm, right? Whereas if you, you know, if you know you're going to be behind on be behind on rent and your landlord is a person, you might be able to kind of work something out with them. If the only way that you interact with your landlord is through an app, there's very little space for negotiation there. It also means if there are sort of problems with how your maintenance requests or rent payments are recorded, it can be quite difficult to work with. As you can hear, all of our episodes have been produced for podcast or radio. So you won't hear university lectures or seminars on our show, just the best academic podcast makers in Australia. And yes, that might include you. We have a really flat management structure and we're always looking for new shows. We have just one simple rule. Your show must be purposely produced for podcast or radio in high quality audio and be about urbanism. If you want to know more about the show, you can find us on Twitter. We're at at Urban Podcasts or just contact one of the founding members. Natalie Osborne from Griffith University, Liz Taylor from RMIT University, Tony Matthews from Griffith University, Paul McGinn from the University of Western Australia, Jason Byrne from the University of Tasmania, or me, Dallas Rogers from the University of Sydney. Oh, and we have two management committee members who don't produce podcasts, but provide us with some more strategic advice, Joe Hurley and Matthew Rolfe. So sit back, subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts and enjoy some fascinating discussions about cities and urbanism.